I really had to create that role for myself after a few years and saying to myself, you know, what do I really want to do here? And they didn't have a role like that at the time, and now they do, which is really exciting. Welcome to Wolfpack Career Chats. This is Marcy Bullock, the creator of a podcast which helps college students who are seeking a fulfilling, healthy, and successful work and personal life. This season, we are focusing on versions of you, who you were, who you are, and who you will be. Enjoy. Hello, Wolfpack Career Chats. Today on the pod, we have Shay Stagall. Hi, Shay. Hi, guys. It's really great to meet you guys. It's great to have you here. We met when you were a student at NC State and you took my career exploration class. You stood out as a star and then I hired you as my teaching assistant and you actually helped with this podcast back in the day, um, years ago, before we had the 42,000 downloads. So I'm so excited we get to connect again. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yes, it was honestly so fun to start the podcast, and I'm excited to see that it's going strong. But a little bit about me, I know you guys are are going through I was, I will be, I am. So I was, when I was at NC State, a philosophy of law major. I have to say that my graduating class was pretty small, so not a lot of people majoring in that at the time, but I loved it. I am currently a strategic delivery lead for a company called Manpower Group. They are a global company, but I live in Charlotte right now, and I'm a dog mom and really loving it here. And I will be, ideally in the future, moving into a role that's more director-focused. I'd like to really expand my career with what I'm currently doing. I have goals to be a homeowner, and I'm also training for a 5K in June. So that will be a short-term goal that I hope to achieve. That's wonderful, Shay. Congratulations on all that success. I know when you were a student in philosophy, you were trying to figure out the direction that you would be going. And it's one of the humanities majors where there's not necessarily a list of jobs you pick from. So, you know, like if you're an accountant, you studied accounting. So as strategic delivery lead, did you know you would be doing that when you graduated? And how did you find it? And what's it like? How does it really late to your major or not? I had no idea that that is what I would be doing at the time. I will say majoring in the humanities can be really tough and discouraging when applying for jobs because you just don't always know if you're in the right fit for what you want to do. And I think a lot of the time it starts with wanting to help people. So when I was applying for jobs, one of the biggest things that I was looking at was, well, my work experience at this point really was with Marcy and the Career Center and helping students find jobs, all that stuff. So I quickly found my way into the staffing world, which is actually a very large industry, um, but I had never heard of it in college, and deals a lot with you know helping people find jobs, connecting to them to jobs, whether it's full-time or contract. So that's what got me initially interested in the role. However, moving into delivery and strategy, that was something that I would love to talk about in terms of being a woman in the workforce because I really had to create that role for myself after a few years and saying to myself, you know, what do I really want to do here? And they didn't have a role like that at the time. And now they do, which is really exciting. That's a really great discussion and transition into being a woman, because like you said, as an undergraduate, you did this 
position, you learned a little bit about yourself, you're good with people, you're good with organizing, all these things, and how do I put that into the job market? So what did you do to advocate for yourself to create a new role? Yeah, so after I say, I think it's about two years, two and a half years into working at the company, I was doing the traditional jobs. I'd been a recruiter. I'd gone into business development, which is really more of like a sales-oriented job. And I enjoyed both of them, but I just felt like they weren't the right fit for me. One of the benefits of majoring in philosophy, and I think any humanities for that matter, was that I was pretty good at writing. I was really good at public speaking. And I also was able to, you know, create arguments. So I started to notice that there was a gap between different roles at the company that I felt like we could really use somebody to fix. And we didn't at the time have anybody who worked on data, which I was very interested in, but not trained in whatsoever. So I started to reach out to people who were above me, that were friends of others that I didn't really know and say, you know, I have this idea. Um, I think it would be really helpful. You know, what do you think I should be doing to bring this idea to fruition? And, you know, they would say, oh, you know, that's great. They kind of would pass me along. Well, I started to take some classes. And by classes, I mean basic Excel classes. This was not something that I learned in the humanities in college. It just never came up, but it was really important for business. So I started to take those. And then I would update this person that I was trying to get open this role. I'd say, you know, done with class number one, on to class number two. Um, and a lot of times she would just say, that's great. This is my current boss now, which is funny. That's great. You know, I'm still talking to people. You know, we'll see what happens. And I was just really pesky, to be honest. I was continually following up with her because I wanted this job so much. And I didn't know exactly how it would fit in. But I knew that she needed help, that we could do some things better, and that I was the only one at the time asking for it. So that's kind of how it all got started. And interestingly enough, I think there is some things that change along the way. For example, once it finally was open, I was so excited. I was thinking, great, everything's taking off for me. Not realizing that just because I took those classes and did those things, that other people wouldn't be competing for the same job as me at the company. So I walked into the day of the interview thinking I'd be the only one. There were like 15 other people, my peers, that wanted to interview for this job. So I think it was an important lesson for me in that being a woman in the workforce, you really have to advocate for what you want, vocalizing it regularly and often. It's not something that will just happen. And oftentimes I think we as women maybe feel like we're being annoying if we're following up a lot, if we're really adamant and you're just not, you know, this is your career and you're able and willing to do these things. You should do them. You should speak up for yourself. It luckily worked out for me, but I was really worried in the interview. I knew that, you know, that peer of mine had a master's degree that I didn't have. And this person had been working for a year longer than me. So there were challenges, but speaking up ultimately to create the role and following up, I think was what led me to get that job. Congratulations. And winning it over people that have more of an advanced degree is really impressive. And I love the word you use pesky, because sometimes people are like, oh, you're being too pushy, or you're being too aggressive. And it's like, you're advocating, you're being assertive. Um, have you ever gotten microaggressions in the workforce? Yes, I deal with microaggressions pretty regularly, but in my job, which I don't think I've really talked about much in terms of what I do, I am owning 
these big projects at the bank. So whenever a bank wants to hire, you know, 50 people at once, they've got a huge initiative and a lot of money towards it. I'm meeting with those clients at the bank and saying, you know, this is what we want to do. Sounds good. Budget looks good. Let me build out a team to help find these people for you. That being said, you know, it's working with two different companies who have different policies. So things don't always connect. And a lot of the time, my job is to implement change management for my team versus the client team to get us to work together better. So that being said, something that I have to regularly do where I have to ask other people to do things that they don't want to do. That's new to them. I have to get them to get on board. And I often have to do it quickly. So when I'm reminding people of things, asking them to get things done, I always have people say, you know, wow, Shay, I thought you were so intense when I worked with you on a project. And now that I've met you in person or talked to you on the phone, I realize like you're really nice. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, you know, I hope you don't take that the wrong way. We just have to get things done. You know, you understand this is a client relationship. It's not just, um, you know, us hanging out on a Saturday. And usually people do understand, but I get that feedback a lot, which is you're really intense. And then I meet you outside of a project and you're really nice. So I don't think that you should be fearful of those microaggressions when people get a little sassy, a little frustrated, It's work and work is different than life. And you don't always, you're not always going to be the same person at work as you are in your personal life. That's such a wonderful example. Whereas if it was a man in that role, they might be like, oh, you're serious and you're efficient. But if it's Mm -hmm. a woman, oh my gosh, you're intense. So it is really harder when you're in a marginalized group. What advice do you have for young women that are transitioning out of college into the workforce? Maybe they don't know their career goal and they're a little bit nervous about how they can use all the things that they're good at and their accomplishments to benefit you know, the company or just to make a living? Yeah, I would say, you know, if I could go back to myself when I was graduating school and applying for jobs, I applied for so many different things. I applied for the police department in Raleigh. I applied for, I think it was the the history museum of Raleigh being a curator of sorts. I mean, I was really all over the place and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I kept thinking, you know, well, I'll just, I just need to get a job. That's priority number one. It's all I was thinking about. Looking back now, I think what I would tell myself is, all right, get the job. That's fine. It's a big stressor. You know, you're wanting to do it on your own. You want to be an adult. You want to pay for your own rent if you're not already doing that, or you want to be able to get a dog if you haven't been able to do that. All of these things that you can do. My advice to women would be just make sure that you are looking at the job description and you know it's being asked of you. I think a big thing for me was not realizing hours put in and different varieties of jobs. If you go in to a sales job, those hours are oftentimes not preset. It's not a nine to five. And for my first few years, I think I even did a panel with you, Marcy, maybe my first year after. And I remember saying something along the lines of, well, you do have to work hard to get where you want to be, whether that means you're working late or not. And I just feel completely different about that now. I 100% think you need to set boundaries with your personal life and your work life. It does not last. You might be able to withstand that for a certain amount of time. And I think women, especially because we don't speak up as much, or maybe we think that we are speaking up, but we're not being adamant enough. 
we end up working later than others a lot of the time. And that's just not something you can sustain. And I think it also leads to a lot of just poor mental health, how you feel about your purpose at work, how you're doing at work, when in reality, your feedback is probably fantastic from your managers. You're doing just fine and you're putting all this pressure on yourself. So my advice would be take a deep breath. Yes, get the job. See if it works for you. If it's not working, you can make a change. And if you are falling into the quiet zone and not speaking up and working late, you have to speak up, even if it's uncomfortable and say that, you know, there is a line with your work and your personal life. So interesting to hear that evolution over the last, I guess, four years, right? Mm -hmm. Since you left NC State or maybe five years because you were just like, oh my gosh, I have to do everything. I have to work late when you came to the panel and now you're, I have to set my boundaries. How do you set boundaries? And that just sounds like something that uh, sounds challenging with your supervisor and with your personal life. Yeah, it definitely is challenging. I, I would be lying if I didn't say that even when I have those conversations now that I'm not a little bit nervous, a little bit concerned about how it will be taken. That doesn't mean that it doesn't need to be done, even if I have nerves. So for me, one of the biggest things is, and I'll give an example. I had a very large project last year. I had to cover for someone on maternity. I had my own responsibilities. Um, I was doing quite a bit. I learned two big things from this. Number one, there are not a lot of plans for women on maternity leave and filling the the responsibilities that that person had. They just sort of give that to whoever they can find at least at my experience. And then on top of that, I was working very late and it was very confusing for me. This is probably the biggest change because I felt like I was obligated to help this peer of mine on maternity because she was a friend and she couldn't help the fact that she was gone and I wanted to do a good job for her. But at the same time, I was working well beyond 40 hours in the week. I did end up completing that project even though I was working overtime. Afterwards, I had to meet with my manager and say, that was far too much and I will never do that again. I actually remember telling her that. I said, I will never do that again. And she was trying to tell me, you know, we'll get some better support if something like this comes again. And I was like, I am saying again, I will never do that again. If we are in a situation like this again, I will want to know exactly which options you're going to provide, who else is going to be involved. You know, I was at it alone. I know that it was, you know, accidental maternity. So many things were spinning around that we couldn't control, but that does not change the fact that I will never do this again. Um, and she understood. And I have actually reminded her of that two other occasions since that project in the fall of last year. I'm preparing you. This project is starting to look a little bit like the last one. Just want to remind you, I'm not doing that again. She does bring in additional support. So if you don't ask for the support you need saying, you know, that's not feasible for my life, I'm not going to have to request or I'm not going to ask you if I can go to dinner with my friends at 7 p.m. after work because I have other things on my plate. No, I'm just going to let you know that that's not working and I won't be doing it. So it sounds very harsh when I say it that way, but realistically, if you aren't making those specific requests and they have to be specific, so not just that you don't want to work late, that this is affecting my life, this is why I'm working late, 
So maybe it's because other people aren't giving things to you on time or whatever it is. You know why there's a reason. You can't control everything. You're only one person and I'm not doing it. We need to come back together, figure out a plan to make sure that I'm not doing this and then move forward. It doesn't sound harsh at all to me. It sounds clear. (laughs) It sounds like this is not a negotiable. And we talked about that in class. You might remember about values, like these are some of my values and I have to align my actions with that. So I'm super proud of you for doing that. (laughs) I'm glad you mentioned mental health, Shay. So we've had a lot of challenges on our campus this year with mental health. We've had two thirds of our students reporting overwhelming anxiety. Did your job ever affect your mental health? And if so, how did you handle it? 100%. (laughs) In especially in that quarter that I was mentioning, and there have been other times before that as well, but just maybe on a smaller scale. And, you know, time does, there is a such thing as time benefiting, you know, your mental health. When you get out of a situation, it's very hard to put yourself back in that hyper stress where you are having those mental health issues. And this is actually something that I have to remind myself of regularly I am really struggling with my mental health when things are bad and then seems like it's over and a few months go by and I lessen how um, just, I would say, uh, how much that affected me later down the line and tell myself that it wasn't that bad so that I continually find myself in this cycle of going back through it. Um, So that was really when I learned that You know, it is, I need to remind myself, whether it's writing in a journal, whether it's just making sure I have notes or just staying true to myself that it it was bad, but for taking care of my mental health, um, getting outside, I have had uh, the weirdest journey with exercise and being outdoors. (laughs) I have a dog, so I'm obviously outside quite a bit. Um, but after college, which I was fairly active, I was not active at all. I didn't go to the gym. Um, I really wasn't focusing on that part of my life and I really didn't need to because I wasn't seeing a bunch of changes in, in, you know, my health or anything like that. So I just wasn't prioritizing it. Um, getting outside, even if it's not going on a run or doing a actual exercise, just sometimes I even will just stand on the porch for 20 minutes, whatever you can do that really helps. Um, and also if you can have somebody in your corner, that's not working at the company that you're at. So that would be another piece of advice. It needs to be outside of your working circle that you can talk to and and vent and all of the emotions that come with it, as well as if you need to seek some additional help. There's nothing wrong with that. I've had several peers even at work who are open about seeking therapy, seeking medication, whether they're, whatever they're dealing with and letting me know how helpful it has been. So I would say all of those things combined, but my number one piece of advice when it comes to mental health is don't go to somebody who is currently at your company for help with mental health, unless it's HR or something like that. It it shouldn't be that group. It should be your support group. And also to make sure that you do not discount your feelings once the hard time seems to be getting better. It still was just as hard when it was happening. And it will happen again if you don't take steps to prevent it. So many wise words. We have so many new resources on our campus for students seeking out therapy. So we will link up to those in the show notes. Thank you, Shay. Yeah, of course.